1: You know, LinkedIn is a freaking awesome tool. You get to meet so many really neat people. And and sometimes you get to meet somebody who, you know what, you can't actually connect with. You have to follow because they've got so many flipping connections and so many people want to know what they're talking about. And that's who we have on the podcast today. John Lincoln is the CEO of Ignite Visibility. He is a digital marketing expert and investor. I can't think of a better person to have on our podcast right now to talk about the different aspects of well, digital marketing in general, just because most of us are stuck in digital marketing right now because we can't really do much else uh, to get out into the world. So, John, welcome to the show, man.
0: Hey, Matt, I am really pumped up to be here. Thanks so much for having me on.
1: Well, how did you get into this, man? Like this, this, uh, you're you're legitimately <laughs> a digital marketing expert. How did you become this sought after consultant?
0: So kind of all started back in about 2007 and everything was coming online more and more I was working on a business magazine and I got just really addicted to uh, to building traffic and growing traffic and I've been doing it every day since so uh, you know that's when kind of all the social media sites were coming online and I developed this system to create content scale content and then distribute that content through all the different areas that are out there that's the to this Tony Robbins course at one point and I made my mission to do digital marketing and to and there's a whole bunch of different stuff around that. So, so these things kind of all came together and now it's just my passion. I absolutely love digital marketing. It's very full circle for my personal and professional goals in life. So
1: when it comes to marketing in our industry, one of the things that happens a lot is we have what we refer to as Franken marketing, right? So marketing that's really kind of hit or miss and it doesn't really work together. And like Frankenstein, it doesn't walk really well. Can't really talk, but you talk a lot about the perfect digital marketing strategy and I want to know what that looks like. What sort of tips can you give our listeners to really start making a better impact on their digital marketing?
0: Sure. So I really feel like I've, I've cracked the code on it a little bit, and um, I know that's a that's a tall order, a tall thing to say that you've done. But taught analytics at UC San Diego for for almost a decade, so I've gotten really, really into analytics. What happens is every website has sources of traffic, and they have sources of traffic that come into segments of the website or come into specific landing pages on the website. And by looking at the audience, by looking at the source of traffic, by looking at how it hits the website, by looking at your conversion rate, and then looking at your cost per acquisition, so how much it costs to acquire a client, you can evaluate every single type of digital marketing that's out there on the internet whether it's facebook email marketing seo TikTok, snapchat podcasting it doesn't matter you can track all of it you can see how much it costs and then you can build a business model around it and you can see exactly how much you're paying for each channel and then based off of that you can determine a very clear framework and then you can use that framework to scale from where you are to where you want to be. And you can do it very, very reliably. So for me, it's about bringing that clarity in, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff around that. Obviously, each individual source has a ton of subtleties around it. But frankly, it's it's the audience, it's the ad, it's the click-through rate, it's uh, how it hits the landing page, it's the conversion rate, it's the cost per acquisition. And understanding that for every channel and when you can do that, then you can reliably scale any business through digital. And I absolutely love that.
1: Okay. Everything that you're saying sounds like almost a dream, right? How in God's name do you organize all of that stuff? Is, is, I mean, is this part of your proprietary system? Because, you know, I know people who who really hit TikTok hard or they really hit Insta hard or they hit Facebook or LinkedIn. Or I know lots of financial advisors who are really super active on Twitter, and then of course they're using search engine optimization and they're using you know maybe some lead magnets or some things like that how do you take all of those and this is where the franken marketing thing comes in how do you take all those frankenstein parts and make it so that it's cohesive or that you can read it and understand it and make that an- analysis that you're talking about
0: yeah. Great question. It, it all comes down to two things and it's really kind of the start of the process all the way down to the end of the process. So the start of the process, what what do you think is the first thing if you had to guess? I'll, I'll answer it for you just so you don't have to throw something out there, but it's it's the creative, right? It's the creative that hits the persona. The end of the process at the very end is the tracking, making sure that, that all, everything is being tracked correctly, right? Those are the two really, really important things. But You define your customer, you create some amazing creative, a great piece of content, and then that piece of content becomes your advertisement. And there's there's a lot that goes into that top of funnel to bottom funnel and thinking about each step in the customer journey and how that creative interacts with them and then the type of interaction you get out of that. But essentially, you create a piece of creative and then you use that piece of creative and you chop it up. You distribute it all around the internet. You nurture the customer down further and further, and then you get them into a conversion process. And that conversion process is generally one flow. So so it really starts with the, the persona and then the creative around that and then appending that one piece of creative that you've made to each network. And then within each network, each stage within the audience buying cycle, which of course is upper funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel, you can track all of that. And then once they hit that final process converting, and then what gets me really even more excited sometimes is after they've converted, what did they buy, right? Because that's just one thing that they've purchased. And then using that data to cross sell them into other products and other services and using database management and database marketing so that you can take the customer to the endpoint for that maximum customer journey where you've sold them the most things and created the most value to them in the world, obviously, through, through the business and the, the problem that you solve. So that's kind of how it works. But But really, frankly, it's good to start with one network really dial that in. And then eventually you want to get to this point where you have three to five different networks that are working for you, minimum, the more the better, obviously, but three to five. And you generally don't want to have more than 30 to 40% allocation in one channel, because then it becomes an issue of, of a liability if that channel were to go away, like if Facebook just went away one day.
1: Sure. Well, man, I remember uh, lots of social media things that have gone away in my my time in social media. So we are in the business, John, of helping create the persona and that creative, right? So our company helps financial advisors use a single point of entry using podcasting. And then we do exactly what you're talking about. We chop it up in all sorts of little bit of pieces so that it's their custom content, their true thought leadership. And then we go ahead and we post it for them a lot of times. But here's the deal, dude. We have compliance out the wazoo. And so there are different aspects of the analytics that we can't get because of compliance. Like for instance, likes, comments, shares. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you have to turn off a lot of that in financial services. How can you work around that? Because everything that you're saying is like what we dream of being able to do in our industry.
0: Let me ask you a question. What platforms are the most important for your industry?
1: Yeah, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, I mean, the big three, those are the ones that 99% of our advisors will use. LinkedIn is, if they're for business owners, they're going to use LinkedIn. And if they're just going for the general public and doing like seminars or webinars online, they'll hit Facebook.
0: So what I've seen from this industry and I've worked in in the sector a little bit and obviously in finance and I've, I've done some work with. Uh, Morgan Stanley in the past, but the customer they're looking at a couple different things, obviously all those platforms that you mentioned, which all have their own analytics accounts so. I'd like to say that I just absolutely believe in the mission that you're doing there. And we've built up a huge amount of our company, right? We're a four-time Inc. 5000 company. It all started with a blog, right? A blog that turned into video, that turned into podcasting, that turned into a few articles to a few videos to a few podcasts, and then we've scaled it from there. And by building up our thought leadership, we've been able to attract some amazing brands. So for a financial advisor, it is the number one thing you should be doing. I think it's incredibly great what you are doing. Now, creating that content and pushing it out on a consistent basis is is very, very powerful. And One of the core things I would recommend is just making sure you have Google Analytics set up correctly and you're tracking your referring site traffic. When you have that, you can generally see how many people are clicking on the content that you're sharing out there on the Internet, how many people are coming in and then how many leads you're getting. But in addition to that, It's really a great thing to set up clear remarketing audiences so for me, I believe that this is really the future of the Internet, the future of the Internet is building audiences. And then saving that information and then converting traffic for less so, for example, if you made a video on how Google is a hot stock right just just throwing that out there then people would come into a specific page that you created for that video and you can build a remarketing audience off of that. Then that gives you the ability to advertise to these people again and again and again. And you can make the duration of that as long or as short as you want. So you could hit these people for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120 days. In addition to that, you can overlay that audience with any characteristic you want. That can be income, that can be age, that can be gender, that can be location, and these things are really, really powerful. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to a good understanding of Google Analytics or another analytics platform and setting up clear dashboards so that you can properly monitor everything. Also, though, I would say just thought leadership in general is is the best thing that you can be doing out there to promote yourself as an industry expert. So no matter what, even if you don't have the tracking in place, I I highly recommend you do it.
1: Well, that's one of the big things that we're implementing now is we're implementing a lot of these traffic programs. So it's very selfishly, John, that's uh, why I'm asking you some of these questions, because this is uh, we've actually partnered with an analytics company uh, that really does help with a lot of this from the back end, because iTunes is really bad at sharing data with people, and they used to be the number one podcast host, and so it was very difficult to find out psychographics, demographics on the people who are clicking on stuff, and even sometimes downloads. But So we talk about podcasting all the time, because that's what we do. But I want to talk to you a little bit about video, because you think that video is kind of like the bee's knees, right, brother? I mean, video is king, if they've always said that, right? Let's talk about video and how you suggest for people to use video in their marketing.
0: I love video. I like it more than many other mediums right now. And the reason for that is because it makes it so that people know, like, and trust you. They've seen my face. They've, they've watched, you know, the hundreds of videos or tens of videos that I've created. You get a really good feel of somebody's personality through video. And then by the time they reach out, they feel like they already know me. And I love that because it makes me feel like they've gotten to know me a little bit. They've got some some good idea of my characteristics. But for me, starts with one piece of content. So maybe I make a piece of content on a Google update for search engine optimization. We do a ton of search engine optimization at our company. It's one of our biggest divisions. So I make a video on that. I take that video and I share it on LinkedIn. I share it on YouTube. I share it on Twitter. I share it on Instagram. I share it on IGTV. I share it on Instagram stories, Facebook stories, YouTube stories. I send it out within my email list. I add it to my blog. I it. It on my blog, and then I tweet out the blog post, I get an article written from the video and the concepts of the video, and then that goes on the blog. And this system, when you do this system, and you don't just stop there. One other thing I recommend is if you advertise a little bit on each of these platforms, that video that I made, it, it might get seen by 100,000 people because I have a pretty large network. I've got you know about 180,000 followers on Twitter. But if I advertise that and say I throw 50 bucks behind it on each one of these platforms, that goes from 100,000 people to hundreds, half a million people, right? So think about the power of doing that consistently. I'm hitting half a million people once a week. Over and over again, they tell their friends, "I'm putting value out there into the world. People enjoy it. I get to make great connections. It leads to business, and I get to kind of serve my purpose, which is to help people through digital marketing. Use profits to reinvest in employee success, client success, and the community. So for me, it's very full circle. And you know, I'm an MBA, and I love the financial space quite a bit. And I think that I would just champion what you're doing there because this thought leadership." For a financial advisor, I think it's it, there's not enough people doing it, and I would love to see more of it myself. Even,
1: yeah, everything that you said there is one of the reasons why a lot of advisors have have done podcasting, not necessarily video, uh, is one because it's it's much easier to execute, and you have to have a little bit of training on video, right? Uh, we I was looking at you uh, uh, as we were kind of uh, warming up today, and. You, are, you have a, a personality for video. And, and I think a lot of financial advisors don't have the confidence for that, but they definitely have the confidence because they know they talk for a living. And that single point of entry that you're talking about that you know, Seth Godin talks about, that um, Gary Vanderchuk uses, it doesn't matter to us, and I'm, I'm and I ask. This is actually a question, but it doesn't matter to us what single point of entry you use, whether that's video, audio, blogs. But what matters most is that exponential content creation that you're talking about, and in your case, hitting the the hundred thousand people. Is that a fair statement?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I would say if you pick a medium and you triple down on it, you'll be in a in a great place. But you know, I, I would say to everybody listening, you know, the biggest decision I ever made in my life was to put myself out there. I mean, I mm-hmm. had been and in this I did this when I was younger. I mean I've I've been doing content marketing and marketing in general since I was 25. But once I started doing that, putting myself out there consistently, I started with blogging things really uh, started to move from the business perspective.
1: Yeah. In blogging, you know, 10 years ago was the thing to do. Right. And I think that that there have been some evolutionary aspects of it, whether it's audio or video. But I love that you said triple down, brother, because that's exactly what you should do. You should go all into that single point of entry because it should be what you love to do, because if they're going to know, like and trust you, like you just said, John, They're going to feel that more if that medium that you use to communicate to your ideal client, they're going to feel it. They're going to be like, dude, every time John gets behind a camera, he looks like he's having such a great time. I really want to know this guy. Or if they're reading your blog and they're like, man, this person's just an amazing writer. And gosh, I would really like to do business with her. Or if they're podcasting and they, you know, it's just such an amazingly intimate opportunity for you to get to know somebody, just use that single bear or that single point of entry. Now, you have some other things that that, we've really kind of covered the whole gamut here, man, but I have a couple other very specific pointed questions because I hear this all the time from financial advisors, and I want to know what is a landing page strategy and how can our listeners make some tweaks to their landing page to make it so it's more effective for them? So define that if you don't mind, and then see how do you use that within a website?
0: Absolutely. Well, Going back to your point on video real quick, one thing I would say just to close that out is if everybody's so afraid of going on video, doesn't that sound like an opportunity if you stepped up and you did it, right? Because there's there's not as much inventory out Uh, there. If you look at blogging, anybody will put out a blog. It's the most competitive area. Now, talking about landing pages, it's a whole world. Landing pages and funnels. Unbounce, amazing way to build landing pages. Instapage, click funnels, great way to build funnels. But it's very, very important. You have a landing page strategy that matches your ad, that matches where the user is in the customer journey, and that matches your creative. So if I am trying to sell paid media services, I can create a lot of different landing pages on that. I could create a landing page that tries to capture somebody's email address so that they can watch a webinar. I can create a landing page that just says simply sign up now. I can create a landing page that is just a blog post where I get somebody cookied and then I remarket to them. Right. And those are three different conversion points that I just mentioned right there. One's a cookie strategy. One is a micro conversion strategy through an email capture. The other one is a hard sell. And you really need to know your customer to know the right way to approach it. Now, one other thing I would say is I highly recommend everybody do the seven second test on their landing page. You need to identify who you are. You need to say the problem that you solve. You need to show your key differentiators and you need to have a call to action all above the fold. If you can do those things, you're going to be converting so much better than your competition. I look at thousands of landing pages a year way too many and I will tell you probably only 10 to 20 percent are actually set up correctly in this fashion and they all have the highest conversion rates so landing page is a huge huge topic and just by investing a little bit of time in there you're going to be able to increase your conversion rates you know 10 to 20 30 percent maybe more and when you think about the amount of money that people are running to these pages some of our clients spend $5 million a month going to landing pages, just one small deviation in the conversion rate will make a huge, huge difference in the amount of leads or revenue generated. So I highly recommend Everybody put in place a testing program for their landing page. Every month, try something new. Try a different image, right? You'll get a couple percents there. Try a different call to action. You'll get a couple percents there, right? Try a little bit different text for the headline, a couple percents there. And then when you go through this process on a consistent basis, you keep converting traffic for less and less and less. And that, my friend, I believe is the future of the internet converting traffic for less. So that's a little bit about landing pages, but something that I, I, I just find fascinating.
1: Now, a lot of our financial services professionals used to rely on three major things, asking for referrals, right? Centers of influence, or they used to do seminars. Well, you know as well as I do that in the COVID world we live in, people aren't gathering like they used to. How do you recommend people use online events within this whole funnel thing that you've been talking about from from the get-go?
0: Great question. And it's it's on a lot of people's minds right now. We help on the Tony Robbins events. And the first one that he did online, they got 300,000 people to it. That just blew my mind. It was an amazing challenge. UPW, Unleash the Power Within. And I, I really believe in, in the Tony Robbins mission and the work that they do there. And I think that if you as a financial advisor can just get some sliver of that, you can do a webinar. That's that's the most basic one, right? You do a webinar, you get 30 people to show up, you put something really great together. Now, now the next step is to do a multiple day event. And we're seeing a lot of people do challenges. So a challenge might be how to... Perfectly refine your financial portfolio going into 2021 what you should be investing in what you should not running a five day challenge like that would be incredibly great for your business as a thought leader to build relationships and essentially you do an hour a day for five days. You have a clear agenda. People walk through their portfolios. You make some recommendations. And by the end of that, they've gained so much value. And not only are they going to want to potentially sign up with you, but if if they don't, they're going to recommend you to somebody else. So online events are really taking off right now. And even myself, I'm I'm joining a lot of online events. I was just doing one about how to buy a business and it was a challenge over a five day period, which I just absolutely loved because I'm interested in acquisitions right now. So highly recommend people invest in that. And then we talked earlier about a cost per acquisition framework. If you can determine how much it costs, say $30, $150 to get somebody to this event and then how many people actually end up signing up from the event, you can build an entire business model around it and it's definitely going to be something that you want to repeat probably on a monthly or quarterly basis depending on how much time you have. So highly recommend online events. Good thing right now.
1: You've been in digital marketing for a long time, as you had said when we kind of were getting to know you at the beginning of the podcast, what sort of spend should a entrepreneur have gross not net on marketing in your experience
0: so one of the reasons we've become a four time Inc 5000 company is because we have consistently scaled our marketing spend based off of a percentage of revenue. I would say a minimum 10 percent of total revenue, a maximum 20 percent. And that all depends on the, the type of business, because obviously, if you're a SaaS platform, it's different than a gym, than an agency, than a financial advisor. But if you can commit a set amount I love it because it just makes it so that you're always investing in growth, and then the operations of the company really just needs to follow based off of the new business flow. Now, that's obviously a very important thing because you need to have quality control and amazing services and all of that. But what's really important is you find the right fit for you between 10 and 20%, and then you just take that as your top line number, and you invest that into each of the digital marketing channels that I mentioned, based off of which one gets the highest returns. You try to consistently invest in beta programs to try new channels. And then based off of that, you're going to be able to find new areas you can advertise. And then what's amazing is when these businesses get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, it's, it's a very different marketing mix when you start When you have a one to five million dollar company and then a five to ten ten to twenty fifty to a hundred and then when you get into the billions it it turns into everything's maxed out all digital all tv all radio you start getting celebrity endorsements you know you're doing sports and i love sitting in those all day planning sessions where it'll be one to two days and you're meeting with 40, 50 people, different agencies, marketing teams, and you're really looking at this top level billion dollar program. That that type of thing is amazing to me. But when you're starting paid media, social SEO, email, people like to start there. And that's usually where you'll get the biggest bang for your buck. Podcasting as well.
1: 10 to 20 percent. You guys have heard us talk about that in the past. So we brought somebody on who doesn't know, you know, what we've been really talking about and how often we're throwing that out number out there, but goodness gracious, you have to reinvest in your business. And the best way to do that is to market to the people who you want to market to, because that's the other super cool thing about everything that John's talking about today is you can market directly to your ideal client and prospect by using these sorts of tools. Now, John, I I can't imagine that your phone's not going to ring off the hook from this, but if somebody wants to reach out and find out a little bit more about working with you, or do you have any, uh, do you have a landing page that you'd like to send (laughs) people to, or, uh, it we'll make sure we put it in the show notes, but you wanted to share?
0: Yeah, you know, if you actually would like to take a look at a cool landing page that I've worked pretty hard on and converts really well, I actually think it'd be good for financial advisors to use the same format. You can go to ignitevisibility.com forward slash grow g-r-o-w. And then I'm all over YouTube. If you want to just learn some digital stuff for free or check out our blog, nightvisibility.com is a website. And I really like chatting with people online. So uh, make sure to say hi.
1: Just to sum up what we got all sorts of magnificent pieces of information from John Lincoln here. Number one, content is king and you have to create your own content created in the medium that you're the most comfortable with. And if one of the mediums does make you nervous, I like what John said. You know what? Push yourself, see what you can do. What's the worst thing that can happen? Uh, You're just not great at it and you have to use something else, but at least you tried and that makes you grow both personally and professionally. Next, make sure that you have an actual plan. I love this, that you're going to have a plan that you can, the next point is be able to measure the results, right? That is so, so key. And then finally, 10 to 20% of your top line needs to go to marketing. It doesn't matter in our industry what you use to market, but could you imagine if you spent 20% of your top line on referral events, on webinars, on podcasts, on blogs, on social media, on all of the, the SEO, could you imagine where you could go and how easy it would be to attract your ideal client? That's what we're talking about today. And As we say all the time, it doesn't matter if you want to do business with us, because John does the same thing we do. We're going to continue to just give you free information. And if you decide that you want to work with us because you know, like, and trust us, or if you want to hire John because you just listened to this podcast and you're like, dude, I really like that guy. He's freaking cool. Yeah. Then hire him. What matters is you stop being the best kept secret in your area. And the best way to do that is to have a kick-ass marketing plan. John, thanks for being on the show, dude.
0: Matt, thanks for having me. Talk to you soon.
1: If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And if you have a topic idea or a guest idea that you would like us to cover, all you have to do is email me, matt at topadvisorm.com. So for everybody here, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon.
0: Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information.
1: This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.